Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Episode 4. God's not dead. A light in darkness. Welcome to the LodgeCast. It is Easter Sunday, and we are on the tip top of a parking ramp outside the Burbank Media Center Mall. We're about to go to our favorite Burbank theater, the Media Center 8. I am joined today by Brother David Bishke. Happy Easter to everyone. And uh, Brother Lucas is making a mad dash from Brentwood, supposedly. Uh, We told him not to risk life and limb to be here for today's movie, God's Not Dead 3, Light in Darkness. Is that what it's called? A Light in the Darkness, I think. A Light in the... And no three. They're doing colons now. So it's like Star Trek Into Darkness, but this is God's Not Dead, colon, a light in dark, into dark. No, in darkness. A light in the darkness. That sounds great. Our very special guest today is Sister Emily Becklin from The Lodge. Yay, happy Easter. (laughs) She's doing this for you guys. She has chosen to martyr herself along with us. We're going to be going in. We're going to be going deep. Mr. Bishke, you have the most history with this film series. Emily and I, you got us hip to it for part two. Did that one have a subtitle, or was it just God's Not Dead? That was just God's Not Dead 2. Okay. Maybe give the listeners sort of a history of your experience with this film series. Yeah, God's Not Dead was a breakout hit for Pure Flix, a company started by David A.R. White, (laughs) uh, who's been kicking around in the Christian movie scene for decades now. Um, He was even in, like, a high school movie that I tracked down back in, like, the early 90s, Mm, a Christian high school movie that was shot on 16 millimeter probably or something but then god's not dead the original uh, with a budget of about two million dollars starring kevin sorbo just blew up 60 million dollars at the box office wow um ma- major breakout hit and then pure flicks since then has just been putting out tons of movies god's not dead part two which we saw at the van nuys power plant but God's Not Dead was definitely superior to God's Not Dead 2. Sure. Um, God's sure. Not Dead 2. Got, yeah, God's Not was. Dead 2 got bogged down in a courtroom drama with uh, um, Melissa Joan Hart. Clarissa Melissa. explains it all. Yes. <laughs> and um, Clarissa explains God. And this one, I won't give any spoilers in the cast, but it doesn't have much in terms of star power, other than <laughs> David A. R. White, who's become a star in his own right. In his own right. I think now would be an appropriate time to say that these are quote-unquote faith-based films. Mm-hmm, yes. The, both of them so far, and this third one too, is based around the university setting and, and okay. how God is being expelled from the university and, <laughs> True and, that. Uh, and how we need to bring him back into the university 
and into your homeschooling curriculum. Uh, Emily, do you have any vague recollections of God's Not Dead 2, or is, is the slate pretty clean by now? Um, it's pretty clean. What will uh, what holds up is the audience around that movie yeah. and the couple that brought in the baby carriage. I do remember there that. there was no baby in the carriage. We, we, were, we were speculating about this baby carriage. We're like, why are you bringing a baby in a carriage into the theater? The baby was silent, though, and we were like, interesting, interesting. It turns out it was, like, cans or something in there. And then he and then had kind happened? of a, a breakdown in the parking lot. He was taking a bunch of paper towels, and a car went by a little too quickly. And he hit the roof of the, the car and said, in God's name, I revoke thee. And his paper towels went everywhere. Went oh, everywhere. yeah, yeah, That's yeah. kind of the visual moment. And everyone that. just stood there and stared. Yeah, like jaws dropped. Like in the the phones didn't even come out for that. Everybody was too awestruck by this man pilfer, <laughs> pilfering paper towels from a movie theater, getting busted. Yeah, and that, and still talking about the Lord as he grumbled and went back in to grab more paper towels. <laughs> that is actually what I remember most about God's Not Dead too. So, I my slate's kind of clean. I'm gonna go into this one with an open mind. Uh, and a, a fairly open heart. I've been burned by pure flicks before. The heavy-handedness is just pummels you into yeah. submission. If it can pull out some new tricks, I'm going to uh, praise it as such. I'll try to be as fair as possible coming out, but I expect a fucking beatdown. Long, long dialogues. Long dialogue, because it doesn't cost as much if it's just people sitting around shooting the breeze. Rapping about God. And the Bible's free, so you can just keep talking about that. You can keep adapting that shit. Yeah. We're going to smoke a little of this heavy hitters wood-tipped vape cartridge. Woo! Holy! And uh, we're going to feel the spirit within. We're going to go in. We're going to sit on those comfy, comfy recliners, and we're going to stay awake for you guys. We're going to come back, and we're going to report the facts. So love and light to the lodge, and we'll see you on the other side. Amen. You forgave me for what exactly? For leaving? You forced me out, you and mom and dad, all of you. You can't break. No one forced you oh, out. Oh, yes, you did. I wasn't welcome in this house once I started asking tough questions. Is that what they were, tough questions? Oh, why did God allow bad things to happen to good people? Or how do we even know God exists? Really? You should back off, little brother. Maybe you were just trying to impress a co-ed with how worldly and forward-thinking you were. I guess your Christian roots were too provincial. Well, at least I know what's happening in the world five miles outside the county line. You're right. I don't know. And I don't know why you left me to take care of mom and dad when they were sick. You broke their heart. You're the one that broke my heart. I was trying to sort out my own faith, my own sense of God. I was changing, and you all hated me for it. And that's the truth, David. Well, <laughs> let's focus on the good things right now. It's a cool, crisp night in Burbank. The uh, air feels good on our, on our skin after coming out of the embers of what we just witnessed. <sighs> Mr. Bishke, before we sift through the rubble 
will you do us the honor of reading the official synopsis? Okay, this is the official synopsis from Pure Flix Entertainment oh, on, on IMDb. Straight from the source. A church destroyed, a congregation silenced, a relationship shattered. Yet even in li life's darkest valleys, a small flame can light the way toward healing and hope. After a deadly fire rips through St. James Church, Hadley University leaders use the tragedy to push the congregation off campus, forcing the church to defend its rights and bringing together estranged brothers for a reunion that opens up old wounds and forces them to address the issues that pulled them apart. So there you have it. Uh, the, so that's what happened. <laughs> the movie begins with our hero, as it were, David A.R. White, mm -hmm. in prison for whatever he was doing at the end of part two, which for some reason... He wasn't, he wasn't turning in his sermons to the government. Okay. So, something like it was some it was some uh, cooked up charges. But uh, he gets out and he's chilling with his African buddy, and they keep talking Jude. about Jude, and they keep talking about waffles. And you're watching this, and you're like, "What? Are, we're just watching these dudes like amble about town." And I was like, "Something's got to happen." And they were walking towards a Prius, and I'm like, is that Prius just going to explode? Like, that's the feeling I got. Like, yeah. I'm like, something's mm -hmm. got to happen here. It was ominous. And lo and behold, someone throws a brick through the window of the church and hits a gas line, and the church explodes. I knew there was an explosion coming. I just felt yeah. like you can feel it in a movie when something's about to blow up. I just got the wrong thing. Killing David A.R. White's co-pastor from Africa. He dies in the fire, and then we flash back needlessly 12 Very hours. needlessly. Like... Forgot about that for when they finally cut up to it. So you get to see who the kid is that threw the brick and how it was an accident. And, and how, why he did it. And how he's kind of like... He was mad at his girlfriend for breaking up with him. Choosing God over him or... Kind of, yeah, sort of. Yeah, she was a Christian, and he was kind of dabbling in quantum physics and uh and then it was oil and water <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> so it must be noted that the female lead who doesn't really have much to do in this no um her character's name is keaton, <laughs> keaton. Like, like alex keaton like alex p keaton <laughs> and the guy who is kind of like a generic taylor lautner the guy who threw the brick he is like Probably the best actor in the movie. Yeah, I don't know if that's. Down, I don't down. know if that's because he's crying the whole time or yeah, what. He moved but, me. But he could really cry. I think he was the best actor, and his character's name was Adam Richardson. Very strange <laughs> names. Like you can't just go Richardson. It's Richard. Yeah, Richard. I, I that, yeah. Richardson. That's a minor quibble compared to what's what's going on. Because oh, so many quibbles. David A. R. White is not the hero that we deserve. Oh. Like. Because he's the producer, and I'm sure he has his, his fingers in all the screenwriting, directing pies, I'm sure he's all over it. He is front and center the entire time. Yeah. And yes. I can't help... Godly. Like, he looks like a bedraggled Muppet to me. Mm -hmm. And his mouth moves, like, a little bit too much. He'll say a word, and then his mouth will keep moving, like, a nanosecond after, which kind of adds to the Muppet. Yeah, like, he doesn't yeah. have much emotional range. Like, his friend dies. I was expecting him to be, like, no makeup, kind of depressed. But he still had the same expression on his face. And he, I don't think he can cry. No. On he, camera. But he no, but he can jog. He does try. And he, he can, does jog. Yeah. And boy, does he ever in this movie. There are plenty of jogging montages where... In place of actual 
digging into what he's thinking about. Yeah, he's, he's on a through. he's on a passionate run. Yep. And those are shot with what appears to be a community college hand-me-down GoPro. In one shot, there was, it was it was SD. It was, it was SD yeah. blown the fuck up, <laughs> and you can't. Like, you can't do that anymore. Like, who looks at that and is like, yes, we we succeeded with that. I don't know what they were thinking. But anyway, so the story, as it were, is the the church is is burnt to a crisp. But, you know, it's it's still standing. And David A.R. White, who plays Dave in it, very cute. His brother, played by John Corbett comes to town, the big city lawyer, to help him out because the college wants to get rid of the church, just bulldoze it and make a student center. The last Gods and I did too was boring. It got tied down the courtroom. But what's been going on in the country since 2016 has really got David A.R. White's wheels turning as a <laughs> Christian conservative. Yeah. And he's got a lot to draw on and... There's Charlottesville, there's the political atmosphere, there's Facebook, everyone yelling at everyone. And, and He's tired of all the yelling. Yeah, he's yeah. tired. And he, but he's part of it, too. Yeah. Because... Do you think he knows he's part of it? No. Um, considering, can we name the two major cameos in the film? Yeah, Okay. of course. So, to set this up, like, this becomes a hot-button issue. Like, some people want the church to be demolished, some people are like, save the church, God's not dead... So that lends itself to a lot of online punditry with these dubious news these news students programs. These don't have anything better to do than to get all heated up about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that leads that leads to some familiar Fox News faces. And we have uh, NRA spokeswoman Dana Loesch. She's in it, is, playing herself. And and David A R White goes to her to take this whole lawsuit to the next level. She's, you know, as nasty as ever. She casts a pall over and, the proceedings. And immediately right-wing Facebook in the movie is all over it and throws a brick through the window of the chancellor. or Played by Ted oh, McGinley yes. from Married with Children. Beloved <laughs> Ted McGinley. So when they, when they retaliate and throw a brick through his window and he holds up the brick... I, I kept zoning out, making different movies in my head while I was watching this, and I'm like, he's got to retaliate against that frat, you know, like it's Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. You know, okay, I'm like, yeah. you, you gotta, you gotta summon that that old alpha beta spirit and, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. go get him. But then I'm like, wait, he looks like a fucking microwaved reptile now. <laughs> like <laughs> those, those days are long gone. I thought he looked pretty good, especially next to David. But he he had, like, bloodshot (laughs) eyes and, like, something had gone off. But anyway, Dana Loesch and Judge Pirro. Janine Pirro is a very big cornerstone of the movie. And And she's she's, she's yelling through the whole thing. And she's yelling, we need to stop yelling at each other. She yells that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Tatum O'Neill appears, who must have... She must have had an ankle bracelet where she couldn't leave the college administration offices yeah. for any scenes. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's in, like, three Maybe scenes. Maybe ten sentences at most. Oh, my God. Like, why? That's a paycheck. That's a walking, That's just a pay- talking yeah, yeah. paycheck. I know, yeah. I know Tatum's on the level. I've been listening to her podcast. She's she's not like Christy Swanson. She's not in with right-wing folks or anything. She's She just needed a paycheck, and it's totally cool. 
and she does does her job. Well, I hope it was a high paycheck because I don't think so. I don't think no, And the lighting was she awful. She needs all she can, she needs all she can get right now. Maybe so. the lighting was the factor that made McGinley look like a lizard to me. That could be. That could be. Or yeah. it could be Illuminati. I don't know. But overall, I wrote down in my notes because we were sitting in the back row. I was taking copious notes. I just wrote down inert. In all caps. Like, the scenes don't... The scenes just hang there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like dust in an old musty church. Like, they show up, they don't do much, and then they're gone. And where there there could be a cute little punchline, it's just a pause... And, and then, then they're it, out. And then yes, changes. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's brotherly shenanigans, but... Um... And the brotherly shenanigans felt a little creepy to me. I don't know. I don't know why. Like... I developed this over time because, again, I was bored out of my skull. Yeah. So I was creating different movies in my head. David A.R. White in the movie, he has this woman that for some reason is totally sprung on him and is, like, trying to get with him the whole time, like, leaving him little notes and stuff. And he couldn't care less. Yeah, and she just disappears after a while. Yeah, so... He, I guess she was there at the end, but he yeah. he has, but he, she doesn't register because no. he doesn't give a shit about her. No, no. He loves his fucking brother. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does. And yeah. He loves his brother so much. I'm like, you know what? I think he can only really relate to men. I bet he and Jude had some sort of sexual, sensual affair going on. Well, that's Whoa. if you watch the first film, it's just Hot. him and Jude in a car. Mm-hmm just hashing it out like what he is with his brother in this film yeah and like i feel like when and when jude died it set him into a tailspin because not only was he repressed but now the guy's dead and he has all these feelings that will never come to the fore because the guy's dead so i was creating this backstory in my mind and it made the back half of this movie slightly more tolerable mm-hmm. kudos mm-hmm. to me not the movie. Yeah. yeah. I made that up. Yeah, you didn't share that with us to make it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I We're not supposed to talk. <laughs> You're not supposed to talk during movies, Emily. Well, I was... The back film. end of the movie, I thought... Because I, I thought they were destined for the courtroom like they did in, in God's Not Dead Part yes. 2. Yes. And oh, they, I was so no. scared. They avoided, we all were they groaning. They avoided the courtroom, which oh my god, kudos to them. Thank you for avoiding, you know, There's a government s- versus church courtroom drama. Oh my drama. god! I, in the second half, um, what no, even happens? I, no, I I was getting into the mindset of what's going on in right wing Christian world right now. Like, let us have it, it dude. It, it, because you got Trump as your Christian leader right now. But then you've also got, you know, these, these Cal Berkeley kids protesting. And then you've got Charlottesville. I mean, there's a lot going on that David R. White, David A.R. White, is trying to work out. David A.R. 15 White. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got, <laughs> he's got you know, Dana Loesch and Judge Janine. And then he's got, you know, Christ. And he's got he's got a lot of a lot things. of factors at play. He's got a lot of factors that he just got. And what does he do? He goes jogging with a with an old GoPro drone. Yeah, I mean he's <laughs> there's a lot of I I started to feel the tension within him. Sure. Um, in the last half. Um, but is that you doing my gay backstory? Like, pretty much. You yeah. Just pretty much grafting more to it than there actually is. Yeah, but it's also me trying to hash out like. Where is the mainstream Christian mind right now that we're stuck with, like, Trump as our leader and... Well, I thought I thought it was really, really interesting, too. The counter-argument is addressed by Keaton herself, 
when she says young people are leaving the church, the whole world knows what the church is against, but they have a hard time seeing what it's for. Holy shit, that line is in this movie? Yeah, yeah. You are pulling the rug out from under yourself. I guess good on you, you know, for presenting both sides wholeheartedly. But he also admits, like, he and he and his brother are having a big blow-up towards the end. And his brother's like, you don't know anything about what's going on in the world beyond your small town church. And David A.R. White is like, hell yeah, basically. Yep. And he was okay with it. You're just kind of like... That's but that's in your movie. Like, no, yeah, he's. Being, what? <laughs> I think David A. R. White was going through some stuff. I mean, he wrote his confusion into the movie, which I I guess and, that that's interesting. It it's not really it. They don't really make it cinematic. And there's a fight. No. There's a fight over over liberals and social justice warriors, and then this guy comes out with a big speech that says Jesus is the ultimate social justice warrior. Right. Yeah, the guy that was very certain about her yeah, uncertainty. He's, he's the lead, just so you know, he's the lead in the first God's Not Dead movie. Who, in this movie, comes off as like a drowsy date rapist. Yeah. Like, smug. Like, so smug. I didn't yeah, understand. He he, was so certain about no, everything. He, he, he barely moved his he face was, when he acted. He it was, was very strange. Yeah. He was the Christ figure. He was, He knew exactly Ooh. what to preach, <laughs> and he said exactly what Christ would have said in that moment, but... It should be noted as well that during one of his famous jogging GoPro scenes, Keaton, who's also a swimmer, does an underwater scream oh, that's yes, it's very powerful. almost identical. It always works. It's almost identical to the underwater scream in Mute, mm -hmm. where the mute is underwater and lets it lets it fly. It always works. I thought that was like beautiful. And I like when movies that we're exploring have direct, unexpected connections. <laughs> <laughs> like this and Mute are light years apart, but yeah. they share certain little points of DNA, which is great. I also found it entertaining that. At one point, a preacher is like, you know, I'm a I'm a black pastor in the deep south. I'm like, this is the deep south. Like, in what universe is has this been presented as the deep south? This looks like Toronto proper. <laughs> but there's a good point, though. That another po uh, spot that David, you know, allowed to be written in, where he was, you know, saying that he was under attack, and That's that true. black man just checked him and said, "That's true." He, he, you want to talk to me? I could build you a church with how many bricks have been thrown through my window. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The persecution complex really came in when he's just like, when are Christians going to stand up and fight? And your eyes automatically roll. But that's what he wanted. He wrote his character to be conflicted at that point, saying all this shit. And then, yeah, the black pastor is just like, nah, man. Comes and advocates the nonviolence. Yeah. You gotta, you my know. struggle is actual. Yeah, and mm -hmm. you here's are what Jesus white. would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're struggling over some. You know, you're struggling because you university. have so much pent up sexual like <laughs> yeah, aggression. Is he a virgin? I yeah. Emily Emily <laughs> leaned over and was like, "Is he supposed to be a virgin?" And that's a good single. question. He's, yeah, he's, he's never had any. I don't think he had any relationships in any of the other. I, I can't remember. I wanted to reach out and just give him a holy hand job to just help him out you know i want to make sure that david's not dead inside yeah like oh my god can we dress the end yes. i think so okay. please um, let's not bore him to death so we have yeah. to 
Oops, we got. We're we're near a Tesla we got charging a Tesla station. Tesla charger. <laughs> the Tesla there. charging stations are full of people just vaping right. like crazy. What this to is, do? This on is Easter great. Night. Okay, so we can't address the end of the film without addressing Charlottesville. So you have you have two sides. Okay, so you have the church. Nobody in the nation is saying we need to tear down churches on college campuses. But David A. R. White's saying that's happening. But what people are saying is we need to take down the Confederate monument. So here, it's like the Confederate monuments are a slippery slope to saying we need to tear down the church on college campuses. Right. So David A. R. White is come comes to his church, and everyone's protesting, and there's there's people saying, you know, God's dead. I saw a sign that said, "Build that Build wall." Build that wall. And <laughs> You, you didn't see that? Yeah, yeah. And, wow. and there's signs saying, you know, there's more than one religion and all these different things. And there are people yelling and they got their signs up. And David Arrowhite finally, in a moment of clarity, gets everyone to shut up in this kind of Charlottesville, like, about to, you know, the violence is heating up. And he says, I forgive and I'm dropping the lawsuit and you can tear down my church if you want to. Because it's it's not about the building. It's about you guys. And then they pass out candles. They pass out right. candles without wax guards. <laughs> which, I don't know why that bugged me so much. One girl had a wax guard. Nobody else did. Oh, okay. A.R. White's oh, hand lazy. was covered in wax. I'm like, this is... Anyway, and go, everyone, go on. Everyone puts down their signs. It was so powerful. And everyone lights candles. I, I thought they were going to go into Amazing Grace, but they didn't go that they far. They didn't go but, that far. But it was a moment of grace, and everyone has their candle. And there was peace, finally, after mm-hmm. all this building tension throughout the movie. And then David R. White's like, I'm going to build a new church called St. Jude. For his, for his, for his slain lover. For his slain mm-hmm. lover. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, oh, and Pierce, his brother, is up in his office and he leaves a message and just wants to check in on his little brother. And he says little brother like 500 times. Yeah. That's that's the drinking game. Yeah, yeah. Is is there a salad dragon scene in this? Um, I would say the second Dana Loesch shows up on screen, it might be because that's be considering that's intense. We're, we're in the midst of this NRA debate going on, and you just put Dana Loesch. You put like, the you put the specter of death in the middle of your movie as a hero, Gross. championing David A. R. White. Like that might be the most depressing <sighs> salad dragon scene ever ever witnessed. I thought we were gonna get one because there's a moment where toward the end where A. R. White's at his squirreliest. And he goes into the burnt up, up church, and suddenly everything around him falls away with digital graphics, and yeah, yeah. the church becomes just a constellation of stars around him. Yeah. And I was like, shit's about to get real, shit's about to get wicked wild, we might see Jesus here. Yeah, yeah. But whatever message that he got in that scene, they cut away, and they cut out of it. Like right before it was about to get super wild. Yeah. So I was I was I was disappointed. I didn't got, have the budget to do they, what he wanted. They there. didn't. So I got Salad Dragon blue balls on that. So I think I think it's the Dana Loesch scene. Unfortunately, this movie is drowsy and dull. It's basically Dr. Ben Carson the movie. It if if you could if you could harness his lack of energy and spread it out across the cast, save for David A. R. White, because he is amped up through a lot of it. I think they wanted to stretch the budget by making everybody talk a little bit slower. 
let the scenes run longer than they should. So many aerial shots. So many aerial shots, and it doesn't feel like we saw a movie to me. Mm-hmm. So I think we should go to the bones on yeah. this. Emily, since you are the guest, okay. we go up to four bones. Up to four. And, and down do, and to do, woof. And you can do half bones. You can go half yeah. bones, too. Woof is, woof is nothing. Um, I guess my bone would go somewhere between a wolf and one. Okay. Um, so half a bone? You can do yeah, half bone. way more entertaining than the previous God's Not Dead 2. But, but you didn't have still, that Melissa Joan Hart eye candy. No, but I had, uh, you had you John had, Colbert. You, you had the John, John Corbett, you Corbett. had you had Ted McGinley, and you had David A.R. White, and they all were tussling on the front lawn at one point. Yeah. And you were like, yeah, that's exciting. It was. That was the most exciting part. <laughs> um, and, you know, for the, the most part, really poorly done, but very authentic extras. Mm. Um, whenever it gets boring, I just look for the extras. And that's there were true. some there doozies. Was, there, was yeah. some great, uh, there was some great soccer skills on display in the quad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was also watching pretty much anybody but fucking A.R. White's mullet through yeah. the whole thing. And at the end, when they're lighting the candles, if you look in the background, a lot of them are going out, which is also, I think, unintended. <laughs> it's a little, so, little symbolism so there. Yeah. It's like, ooh, we lost a couple. Uh, Mr. Bishke, what do you got? Um... I think I think you bring you bring the most history yeah. and the most context. And Having seen them all, okay, let me just give my bone count real quick on everyone. Yeah, right. God's Not Dead is definitely two bone. Okay. Uh, God's Not Dead Two was definitely one bone. Just mm. got stuck in the drama, but this is one and a half bone. This was better than God's Not wow. Dead Two. You know, the events of the last two years, I got to see what David A.R. White's been going through with like, you know, there's there's a lot of Facebook going on, and and he's trying to work out this anger and. You know, you could, Frustration. you could just go to church and bring a friend. Well, we're going to go to Bieber's church pretty soon. Okay. Oh, yeah, we are, actually. Okay. Um, Emily, you read my mind. Half a bone. The majority of it was exposed properly. You could see <laughs> images moving. Uh, John Corbett was having fun with his weird role. There's a scene where he just randomly throws a dart at one of David A.R. White's paintings in his living room. This painting of a frog. And David A.R. White's like, what, what are you doing? It's like, it's an ugly painting. You know, he's having fun with it. Yeah, I, he, he I, did I enjoyed yeah. his performance. But, God. It, oh, God, please, why? Why is your name on this? It's not even a movie. It's a few think pieces strung together and presented as such. And I can't, I can't go over a half a bone for that. I doubt anybody in the lodge is going to seek this out. Uh, and see it. So we did truly martyr ourselves on this mm-hmm. on this Easter, and you're welcome. I don't recommend that anybody go anywhere near this. I think I think you can let it live and die with the sound of our voices. Maybe there is going to be a movie that takes these themes and really does something provocative and interesting, but this ain't it. And uh, we'll see you at the Lodge, and you'll hear us on the next Lodge cast. Until then, love you. God bless. Let's go get some waffles. When I was born, my mother died. She said, bye, bye, baby, bye, bye. And since that day, I've paid my way. The Lord told 
adopted by the wolves when he was a child. That's why God, that's why God, that's why God made the movie.